I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Beauty is a Bitch. I am, again, as always, super excited for this episode because I sought this person out. I knew I had an interviewer. Jen Mann is best known for her widely popular and hysterical blog, People I Want to Punch in the Throat. She has been described by many as Irma Bombeck with F-bombs. Jen is known for her hilarious rants and funny observations on everything from parenting to gift giving to celebrity behavior to politics to elves on the shelves. She does not suffer fools lightly. Jen is the author of the New York Times bestseller, People I Want to Punch in the Throat, Competitive Crafters, Drop Off, Despots, and Other Suburban Scourges, which was a finalist for a Goodreads Reader's Choice Award. She is also the mastermind behind the New York Times bestselling, I Just Want to Pee Alone series. And she has just written a book that I just finished called Midlife Bites. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Hello, Jen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So Jen asked me how I found her for publicist reached out to me and I said, oh, no, no, no. I reached out to you on my own because a friend of mine sent me a picture of the title of your book with the cover and it made her laugh. And she's like, Lauren, you have to read this book. So I did. I ordered it on Amazon and I reached out to Jen immediately and I said, I need to have you on my podcast. And here she is. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That's like a rarity. So I appreciate it. Right. For tracking me down. I, well, you know, you, you basically summed up in two words what most of us in midlife are, are thinking. So I'm going to ask you my first question, which is you're known for your witty sense of humor. Well, as showcased in this book and in your New York times bestseller, people I want to punch in the throat, what inspired you to write midlife fights? That's a loaded question. I know that's like got an hour. Okay. So so before midlife fights, you know, I had this whole people I want to punch in the throat thing. Right. And I and I had a really successful blog and I had several books and I've got another series of books that I just want to play alone series. And and I was doing like pretty good. I mean, this is the job I wanted to have since I was five years old. And so and I finally got it in my 30s and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm finally doing what I want to do. I'm making people laugh. I'm entertaining them. I'm doing all the right things. Um, like my husband was super cool. My kids were, you know, I mean, they. When I started this 10 years ago, my kids were younger and they were cute and adorable and funny. Yep. And now it's like they're teenagers and it's kind of obnoxious, you know, and it's asshole. like, they become assholes. I know. Kind of. Yeah. They like, turn on you. I know. And I just was like, and, and so there was just a day that, um, we, I, I was, I had turned, I was going to turn 47 and I woke up and I just had this moment where I let myself overthink. I try not to let myself ever overthink because <laughs> it's always bad. But that moment I did. And it was one of those where I just thought like, there is no denying it. Like I'm, I sailed through 40 and 45 without any problem. 
but I was like 47. There's no denying it. My life is half over. Like, yes, I've got grandmothers who lived into their nineties, but they didn't eat McDonald's as much as I do. And I was like, I'm, I'm halfway done. Like it's half over. And I was like, and what have I done with my life? You know? And I'm like, I write, you know, vagina jokes and I use (laughs) F-bombs like commas and you know, like what is happening? Like, are my kids nice? Are they going to be like successful, like human beings? Are they going to contribute to society? And then I just looked at my husband and I was like, am I that old? Like, he's really old. Am I that old? (laughs) And, and I thought, you know, has he always eaten soup like that? Like, does he always make that noise? Is that the noise I'm going to live with for like the next, you know, 40 years or whatever? And it just, started compounding. And then I started comparing myself to everybody around me. I felt like at 47, everyone should have their shit together and that everyone did have their shit together. And I was the only one who didn't. And I was like, we don't have enough money to retire. We don't have like, you know, I don't have a good relationship with like enough people, like with my family, with my husband, with my, my friends, like just all these things compounded. And, and I just started spiraling out of control. And But then I started feeling really guilty too. Cause then I was like, bitch, what is your problem? Like you are not, you know, living in a tent by the side of the road. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, where is this coming from? Like you have such a luxury that you get to have this, you know, midlife crisis of this. And then I was like, is this a midlife crisis? Cause it's like men, you know, we always hear they buy sports cars and they get, you know, they trade in their wives for somebody younger. And I was like, do I get a sports car now? Like, is this what I do? Like, am I going to go get a car? Am I going to go get like a pool boy? Like what's happening? Right. right. And so, um, and so I called my husband, my husband was out of town. He was on business. He'd been in New York for several weeks on business. And I think that was part of it too, was that I'd been holding down the fort (laughs) too long by myself. Right. And I called him up in the middle of the night crying. And he was like, Oh my God, are we going to get divorced? And I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm like, I literally want to pack up and go. Like I want to start over. I feel like I haven't done the right thing. And his advice, which is always very good advice, uh, was that I should write about it. And I still had my blog, People I Want Punch in the Throat, and I didn't use it very often. I hadn't really blogged a whole lot. I'd really focused on writing books at that point in social media and things like that. And I really had kind of given, a, given up the blog. And he's like, you need to write a blog post. And he's like, you need to write about this because I guarantee you, you are not the only woman feeling like this. And he's like, this is just your anxiety and age and just, you know, all the things kind of compounding together. And so I pulled out my laptop and I wrote the blog post. Um, is anyone else falling apart or is it just right. me? And you share it in your book at the beginning of the book. Yes. Right. It's like kind of like the intro, right. I think, to the book yep. or something. Yep. And and it just, I, and it's still on the blog too. If anybody wants to read it, it's still there too. We left it on the blog. So it's there too, but it just, I just kind of laid it out there. And I was somebody who I've always been very honest about my life, but I kind of turn it into a joke. You know, I kind of turn everything, anything that really is painful. I can make it funny. Right. Right. This at that point, at that moment, was not I could funny. not make it funny. Right. I couldn't. Right. And I just thought I'm either going to start a really important conversation and we're going to talk about this because that was the other thing I felt like I'd done all this research. I'd gone, I'd gone Googling and, you know, I spend my whole life on, on the internet. And, and so I was out Googling for, you know, what is, are there women's support groups? Are there this, is there that? And there was so much about how to support your husband when he has a midlife crisis. And I was oh like, God, oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, Oh fuck you. And, yeah. so, <laughs> so, and so I just thought, no, why is nobody talking about this? And because I came up 
through the ranks as a mommy blogger back in the day, you know, I knew there's like, there's so much like rearing little kids, but there wasn't a lot about how to deal with your teenagers, how to deal, you know, we're dealing with some really heavy shit in my house right now. Like we've got a lot of like, like literally right now we are in week six of my daughter losing her memory, which is insanity. I feel like I'm living in days of our lives and I'm like, there's nothing out there for that. Yeah. So it's like, but I'm like, there was nothing for like teenagers and, you know, and what to do with your husband when you're like, I love you, but I mean, eh, like you're fine. Like you're really fine. Like, what do you do like with that? You know? And so, and so I just general malaise. Yes. General malaise. malaise. And I was like, we have to talk about this because nobody is talking about it. And so I put it out there and I just thought I've either ruined my career (laughs) or we're going to start a really important conversation. And And so the important conversation. I did. And I were not alone. A, you were not I'm alone. not. Right. I realized I wasn't. I created a group that night on Facebook, a private group, and I called it Midlife Bites. I didn't know what else to call it. I felt like it was kind of like a an a Gen X homage that I'm like, if you if you know, you know. Kind of thing. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and so I was like, the right people will know what this is. They'll find it. And now we have like thirty thousand women in there that talk about everything. And but it was my editor at Random House was Pam Cannon who sent me an email, probably, I mean, I think the post had only been up for a couple hours and she sent me an email and she was like, this is the book you need to write. Like, let's get started. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I think when I read the book, to me, it seemed that you definitely started from that place, like where those blog posts came from. And it's kind of like, even though you use humor and and it's very relatable and, you know, just so everybody knows, you have to hear some of the titles of these like chapters because they are pretty, hist- I, I, the, one, the one that really, really made me laugh out loud is why are my eyes such dicks? That just made me laugh, even though it's not funny what happened <laughs> to you. But, um, you know, making some fucking friends. Is that a hair on my nipple? Who are you calling? Who are you calling crazy? Are we going to get divorced? Let's talk about sex, baby. Uh, other ones is no one gives a shit about you. You will pee your pants. Be happy, damn it. And um, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's all right. Then there's other chapters. But what I found interesting to me that I picked up on is that you started with this blog post in a place of sort of like despair and feeling alone. Then you kind of move through not feeling alone and realizing that there are every, so many women in midlife are feeling this way. And then towards the end, it seemed like you kind of figured it out. Well, I think what it was is I kind of remembered who I was. I think that like, I've always been a person for the last several years now, I've always been preaching this about, you know, be yourself, you know, do what you want to do. Like, don't take shit. Like, you know, all these things. And I've kind of gotten away from it. I was not taking my own advice and I was letting myself overthink and I was letting myself compare myself and, you know, and I was letting myself sort of wallow too long. And, and so, yeah. And so writing this was sort of, it kind of, brought me back to who I was and who, and then, and then I'm, I've grown even more kind of thing. Right. Right. Because I, I, you know, and that was what we were worried about Pamela and I, because like we were, when we were working on the book, you know, I, I had the chapters, I knew what I wanted to write. We didn't really know what order we'd put the book in because it's, because every chapter is a standalone. There's no real like story arc kind of thing through a nonfiction collection of essays. No, there isn't, but I did see the progression. That's what I thought. So and that is a little bit, it's subtle. It's very nuanced, but you, it's there, it's there. You see it because at the end, like you kind of bring it all together and it's, you can see that you've grown because like yeah. you talk about 
you know, how, which I, which is something that I have come to realize too, is that to be, uh, you say, you say, I choose happiness, motherfuckers. <laughs> and, you know, but that's something that you eventually conclude is that you can either yeah. be a depressing, sad sack of morose and people will flee from you or you can choose happiness. But you also say that you can't be happy without gratitude, which I completely agree. Yeah. And, and, and I also want to be very clear too, that I'm not saying that, you know, that mental health is not a real thing and that we should oh, not be treating mental health. Course, you can't course, just right. like wish yourself. You can't just wake up and be like, I'm not depressed anymore. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. No, that's you not know, real. Right. But I do think that for this general malaise, a hundred percent. And I think that for the general malaise kind of feelings that we're having sometimes, I think you can definitely, you set the tone. You set okay. the tone of the day. You're in charge of the day. You know, what do I say? You're the boss applesauce. Like you yeah. are the one who kind of like, you know, and, and, you know, you, and even when you, I think even when you're dealing with something, you know, very difficult as well, if it's a terminal illness or, or, you know, if you have, like, I have an autoimmune disease. And so it's like, there's days when there are going to just be days that just suck and you just can't get through it. You can't do it. But for the most part, that's what I, I, I did come to that conclusion that I'm, I was so busy thinking that it was external things right. that was causing this when I realized that I was the problem. You know, it's funny. I, and I, I totally agree with that. I find, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but there are, cause I'm the same way I'm trying to preach like, come on, we got this. And by the way, we are all talking about this now. Thank God. I mean, my yeah. mom's generation did not talk about, this. no, they didn't talk about menopause. They didn't talk about, uh, you know, all these things that we are thankfully having conversations with. Cause you know what, Gen X, we're really, we're loud mouths and we're just going to say it. And and we're all kind of in this together and it, there's power in numbers, whatever. This is what I, I preach. But I, I just find that um, there are days where I wake up and I'm feeling really down about it. Like I try mm-hmm. to keep a very positive attitude and that is my thing because it is mind over matter most of the time, of course, unless there are mental health issues and that's totally separate. But there, even me going through a day, like I can hear a song. And it'll all of a sudden, it reminds me of when I was little and, oh my God, where did, where did my youth go? My parents are gone now. I remember my dad singing this song to me. I was in a store and I almost started crying like in a hardware store because some sappy song from the seventies came on that I remember listening to in the car with my dad. Mm-hmm. And there I was having a perfectly great day. And I heard the song and I just went from <gasps> just tears welled up in my eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think those are the things that women in midlife this is what it is. It's, you, it's not going to be smooth sailing every day, but mm-hmm. if you can turn a day around or maybe a moment around and maybe flip the script a little bit and look at it from a different perspective, you can try to change it. Cause it's not all, it's, it, it's not easy. This isn't easy. It's not easy. And I think you're right. Like our moms really did not talk about it a lot. Like my mom prepared me a lot for, you know, marriage, the early days of marriage and, you know, how to get along for the first time and how to, you know, share responsibilities in your house. And then it was like, you know, when I first had my little kids, it was like, how do we, you know, change a diaper and how do we bathe the baby? But like when my kid was like, you know, 14 and I'm like, um, he just sassed me and he is bigger than me. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, Getting there. like I told yeah. him to go to his room and he said, no, <laughs> like, yeah. What, yeah. I, yeah, what do I do now? You oh know? yeah. And my mom was just like, well, you know, you just figure it out. And I was like, well, I was like, you spanked us. So I'm not going to do that. So no, I, know. But I, I think that, um, 
And I think it's funny that you say that about Gen X that, yeah, I definitely think like, you know, and again, going back to sort of the mommy blogger days that, you know, the whole reason why I have this whole career is because I pushed back on like toxic positivity because, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just like, I pushed back on like the, the magic of Christmas. And I was like, nah, nah, I'm the magic. Elf on the shelf. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. the elf on the shelf post. And I was like, nah, I'm the magic maker. <laughs> you know, like I do it all and I'm tired of it. And I think that, you know, but then like for me, I, I pushed back on the perfectionism and things like that. But there were so many women that were open about postpartum depression and, you know, loss of babies and, you know, you know, Ill, babies with illnesses and, you know, things that, you know, people really, when I was younger, you know, I don't remember any of the moms talking about that at the playground, you know, when, and, or in the carpool line or anything. And so, so I just, you know, I, I think that we kind of started having difficult conversations and we're just continuing it through midlife. I, I agree. I, I, that's why, that's why I have this podcast. That's why I do, you know, I want, I want to explore these things, these topics, because we are, there's so, there's so much that we don't know because nobody talked about it. Mm -hmm. And and I want to get to the bottom of it. I want to know, you know, I want to know, like, is this normal? What can we do? Um, You know, and okay. So that brings me to my next question. There are a lot of books out there about aging with grace and embracing your newfound wisdom. And okay. Mm -hmm. What's, what's that's midlife bites apart from that. Cause God knows it. Well, besides the F bombs. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Like I found myself laughing out loud a lot. I'm so glad when people say that because yeah. I was writing this, the, the final stretch for this book was during the lockdown of at, during the early days of COVID. And I was sort of burning the candle at all ends. I was trying to entertain. I have a, I have a big in, um, online audience. I have a couple of million followers on social media. So I was, I felt a lot of pressure to like entertain them because they were all just yeah, sitting at home. We're scared and we were scared. We didn't and know what everybody's the hell was going scared. On. And right. so I was just like, at the very beginning, I was like, listen, I'm just cracking jokes. Like, I don't know. We're going to do this. Like we're going to, I know people are sick and dying, but we're going for it. And, mm-hmm. and so, and then trying to write that book, I was like, I hope this is funny. Like, I don't know. It was so hard to be funny. And so I'm so glad you laughed at it because, but I do think the humor does set it apart. I have read because that was the other thing. This was my first sort of foray into the, you know, I put a toe into self-help is what I call it. This is not a true self-help, but it, you know, it, I have heard it helped a few people, but um, I read a ton in that genre just to kind of figure out because every, every genre has its own sort of rules, you know, of how you do things like, you know, this one, I've got the wrap ups at the end, these, the little you know, Jen's gems. And I was yes. like, and yeah. I remember my, my editor was like, we need to do those. And I'm like, that's dumb. They should just read the whole chapter. Like, you know, and then so many people are like, no, I love the gems. And I'm like, all right, well, my bad. So well, you had yeah, to like, I like, know. Your, I like your gems. They're good. I mean, it is, it's a synopsis of the it's chapter. It's a synopsis of the chapters. Right. I was like, just read the chapter. Like, I don't understand. Right. <laughs> you know? right. But, but she was like, they like a takeaway. And I'm like, she's like, you know, self-help has takeaways. And, and so, you know, but I read a ton of self-help and there wasn't a lot of humor, even the ones that people would say, Oh, it was funny. I was like, was it funny? And so, <laughs> um, and so I was really determined to make sure that it was, we could cover serious stuff, but like with humor, cause I do think humor helps diffuse hard conversations. And I think that, you know, it's easier to make fun of things. Like it's easier to make fun of my, um, you know, I have, I write about my breasts that I've one that is longer than the other at this point now. Right. And 
I think it's much funnier to write about them than to lament about it and be like, oh my God, you guys, my, my perfect breasts. You know, yeah. now I'm just like, nah, there loves a French bread. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that probably sets it apart. And just the fact that like, I don't have any good advice. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional. I'm just going through this shit too. And I'm taking you with me. Yeah. But it's, it kind of, to use a little bit of humor and it, it, it just sort of helps take away that sheer panic and screaming into the void that we all, we all feel at times that, you know, there's someone with us and someone that, that can find some humor and, and parts of it. I mean, you're not funny yeah. about everything, but no. there are, it's your stories. I think, I think it's the yeah. way that you tell your, your little anecdotes that are like the thing with the, with the oven catching on yeah. fire and calling yeah. your mom and your grandma. And they're just like, uh, I don't know. Solve it, girl. That's what Figure we it out. <laughs> well, and I think too, the other part of it is the feedback I hear a lot is that it's like to them, when people are reading it, they feel like they're having a conversation with a friend. Yes. And I think that's, sets it apart too. Like I knew, I knew when I was going to interview you, I'm like, well, this is going to be a good one because, you know, I felt like I already knew how to speak to you. Yes. You know, sometimes I read a book and I don't know, or, or just have a guest on and I don't know until I see them and we start talking what, what it's going to be like with you. Mm-hmm. I knew yeah. because I yeah. read your book and I felt like I knew you. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have to ask you this question. What does your family think about this book? Because especially in the chapters where you delve into your own relationship, like I assume your husband now knows that you actually write in your schedule when you're going to have sex. Does he, he's he obviously knows that. this. Oh, he's always knowing? Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> that one wasn't a big secret. Oh, no, okay. I think, um, so the thing about this book was normally in the past, my husband has read everything that I've written before I publish it. Like normally okay. he reads it. I always say that he and my two kids get veto power. And in this book, I really didn't talk about my kids at all. So there was no reason to give them veto power. Right. And this was the first time I really wanted to take away my husband's veto power. I was like, no, this is my story. You can write your own. Like if you have a different memory or if you have a different uh, take on this, you can write your own book. Like I'm, right. this is what I'm writing. And so I did not let him see it until it was too late to change it. And, and then by that point, he really didn't want to read it. He was like, because when I, when I first started writing the book, you know, we were kind of in a bad spot. Like we weren't great. And then like, we've been working through it and now we're in a good spot. And he's like, I don't think I want to read it. Like, I don't think I want to, like, it'll, I think it'll upset me to like go back and, and read that now. And I was like, okay, well you can read it now. But he has overheard, you know, I do all these interviews here in an office that we share together. And sometimes he's just sitting right there across from me. While I'm oh, doing these. Okay. And so, and early on, especially like the early readers and stuff like that, when they would do their interviews, it was like, damn, you really went there, didn't you? You know, and, and so finally he was like, what did you say about me? And so oh my like, God. Well, and so I was like, well, I talk about it's our sex. It's not that bad. It's not that yeah, bad. Yeah, I was like, I talk about our sex life and how, you know, I put you on the calendar. I'd rather read a book or, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. You yeah. know, and I was like, and I was like, and then I talk about like our really big fight where like, I, you know, I resented you and all that. And he's like, oh yeah, hmm, yeah. Okay, right. So none of it is like, none of it would be a surprise to him. Like all of this, he, and he knows me well enough at this point, we've been married for 19 years. We've been together 20 something. And so at this point he knows that, I air our shit. And, right, and right. so, so he's either in it or he's not in it. You know, like he, like he said in the book, he's like, you know, we're in, I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I was the one that was ready to bolt. He was the one who was giving me, you know, dateline 
scary stuff where he's like, nobody leaves this marriage. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you're scaring me. And he's like, no, it's romantic. And I was like, is it? <laughs> is it really? Is it? No. It doesn't sound romantic right now. Actually, I think your husband's, I mean, I think in the book, he sounds, he sounds like, I don't want to say lovely. That's not, but he sounds like perfect for you. He sounds like he is. you in male form. Sort of. Yes. You know, he like, is, he is. Yeah. And, and that, and, and I give him all credit to saving our marriage because I was ready to pack up and go and go live on an Island by myself. And all oh, right. You, know, you said no more men. You said I did. No and I still, and no he more knew men. that. No. Yeah. Next life. No men was no the name men. of the chapter. Yeah. And, and I, and you know, and I told him that too, I forgot about that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I wrote about the day when I told you, like, I never wanted to like get married again. And, and he was like, so offended. And I was like, no, it's a compliment. Like, He's still offended. Own, he still doesn't get it. Still doesn't get it. <laughs> and it's weird because since then, like, you know, like I have all these, when I was writing, I had all these like Google alerts out so that I could, you know, read, cause I thought maybe this book would actually have like some science in it, but it did not But I had like, Google alerts for like menopause and aging, you know, and all these different things. And, and one day my Google alert came back with like all these articles about um, men who are in their their 50s, 60s, 70s who want to get married and they can't find anyone to marry them because all the women are like, fuck that. (laughs) Just like, no. And so I sent it to I'm on that. I'm on that boat. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I sent it to I totally related to that chapter. Completely. Yeah. Utterly. We're exhausted from taking care of all you guys. And I said, and I just, I love you. I have put up with your shit and I will continue to put up with your shit, but I don't want another man to come in my house and ask me where spatulas go. Fuck you. Like open a drawer and find it, you know, like don't put your dirty clothes on my floor. Like all these things that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to try and plan a vacation with somebody that I'll be like, you know, when I'm, I, the way I imagine it is like, we all know I will outlive him. He has bad genes. So you know, I'll be 85 and I'll just be like, you know, listen up. I'll send a group text to like, you know, Chad, Brad and, you know, Tad. And I'll be like, listen, boys, I'm going to Cancun this weekend. Here's your half. If you want to come first, come first. Right, right, right. I have six books. I will maybe be up for a little, you know, fun time, but otherwise, nah, nah. (laughs) Welcome to join me and buy dinner. Once I was, I think I, it's funny because I, that's, I've kind of, well, not to that way, but I'm like, I think the golden girls had something there. hundred percent, like, you know, buy a house and a, you know, share it with some other women go do your own thing. And Kate and Allie, like, remember those yeah. girls? Oh like, yeah. Kate and Allie. Yeah. Kate and Allie where, you know, if I'm a single, if I become a single mom still, like, and I still got kids, like I'm Kate and Allie in it. So we can yeah. like, help take care. You know, we need a village. We and- need exactly. But a man no. I'm, I feel <laughs> the same way. I said, there's no way I'm getting married again. I'm like, unless he has a giant bank account, a heart condition and no dependents. Oh, I don't know where we were going with the giant. Okay, yeah, bank account. Oh no, giant. <laughs> giant, bank giant. What? No, oh, bank account, bank account. Right, that thing. I'm like, no, that's it. No dependent heart condition, and yeah, that's it. Other than that, there's no more. Like, it's hard. It's hard. Marriage is really hard. Marriage is hard, and I chose to do this, and I'll stick with this one. But I don't. I don't foresee me doing it again. If for some reason I'm not, if for some reason I'm able to, you know, be married again or something. No. And we'll stay single. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. So there, okay. We, let's talk about, you definitely tackle a wide variety of issues in the book and midlife fights, everything from raging hormones, sex after 40, finding your purpose, 
learning to make new friends. Yes, even as growing up, because it is hard it's to make mm-hmm. good new friends. I will agree. Like so much of this, I, I, all of it, I was like, oh my God. Oh yeah, the rogue, the rogue chin hairs and how your hair shows up in places that you didn't know you could grow hair. Um, what for you was the most challenging chapter to write in this book? Um, I think the most challenging chapter to write was probably, there were a couple. Okay. De- definitely the one about sort of my relationship with my husband, because I think up until that point, we've all known he was like an asshole, but it was sort of like, he's my asshole. Like, and I could put like a heart on him, you know? And that chapter, I kind of like, I let people see like, mm, sometimes he's just an asshole. And so am I, you know? Right, so, right, right. Yeah. And so it was hard to be kind of vulnerable. Like I don't do well with vulnerability. I don't right. really like that. And um, so I had to really kind of be really personal and honest about things. And so that was a hard one. And then I think the finding friends was a hard one because again, I think this is where you look at like the external and think that the external is the problem. And I had to realize that I am the problem. Like I was noticing that um, over the years, I've never been, I have always been like a, I don't want to say fair weather friend, but like out of, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Like if I see you like, oh, hey, Lauren, how's it going, girl? Let's do yeah. something, you know. You can pick but, right back up, right? And yeah. we all have friends like that, by the way. We all have those friends that you yeah. for a couple of years and you can pick right up. But then you also mentioned that there were, there were people that you didn't realize, like you hadn't seen a couple of years and you would miss, you saw pictures on Facebook and. Yeah. And so it's like, and yeah. so I, I, and I think, and what I've come to decide and, and, and what I think for me personally is that friends, people are in your life when you need them. And then they, they come, like some people are there forever. And like, and I, I have a few friendships like that, but not that many, but you know, they're mostly family. Cause they can't get away from me, but it's yeah. like, but you know, everybody else, it's like, they're there, they're there for a reason. And I had to kind of like come to peace with that, that it's like, we, we moved on, we changed courses. We, you know, and, and I was especially guilty of, I got real wrapped up in my career and working and, you know, I didn't want to go anywhere. I would say no to a lot of things. And then it was sort of like, why did everybody stop asking me to do things? Well, you, you said no so no. many times before, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. And so, and, and, and then to try to understand, like, yeah, I saw like two good friends on Facebook that the three of us had been friends and for a long time. And we'd done a lot of things together, the three of us. And then I started saying no to stuff. And then, um, and our paths sort of, you know, changed and went opposite directions. And then I saw them, you know, celebrating one's birthday and there was another third person there. They replaced like new, you. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a new yeah. third. I'm like, who's that? Like, why right. was it? And then I, you know, and, and I'm also better about like, I also, though this kind of goes back to like bandwidth and stuff we were talking about earlier before we ever started this, we were saying that like, you need so, you only have so much bandwidth and you can only spend it with so many people. Correct. And so I think that's the other thing too, is like, you realize like some of these friendships probably aren't worth the effort you're putting into. And it's better to put more effort into the good ones. And so, because things like used to bother me where people would say like, oh, we should get together. And then they'd walk away. And then I would think like, so should I text? Should they text? Like what's going to happen? And then like a month will happen and I'll be like, well, we were going to get together, but we never did. So now I'd like literally pull out my phone. Like I'm super busy, but um, I would love to put something on a calendar like right now. Like let's figure it out. And and if they don't pull out their phone, I'm like, okay, cool. Bye. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. 
Well, yeah, you were very quick when I asked you to be on my podcast. You're like, sure, when? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and well, I that's like the that. thing. I don't yeah. like part of it is I forget. Like if I, right. you okay. know, if I put it aside and think, oh, I'm gonna I mean, you should see like I have a pad of paper that sits here with like to do stuff. And I, I just it like and especially for anything that's like work related or something like that. I'm like, yeah, when? Like, let me reply right now because I will forget. I have way too many things going on in my brain and I can't keep it all straight. I've also, I, I don't know about you, but I've also found as I've gotten older and yes, time that you have, because now you've got friends, I mean, family, you've got kids, you've got, um, you know, work obligations, other things that really kind of, uh, take your time. And so when you do have free time, you want to spend it with certain, you know, with your good friends and then yeah. like periphery friends. I always say like my inner circle is getting tighter mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I'm going over, I'm going for quality, not quantity. Yes. Uh, for certain, but you know, and then, and then I love that you bring up about, about the energy vampires, which is a, a conversation I had just on my, on a recent podcast about how those people just suck the life out of you. And then you're exhausted and then you have no bandwidth left for anybody. So you have to kind of get rid of those people. Um, but yeah, it, and it, but it gets harder to make like good, like quality friends. I think it does. It is hard. And I think part of that is you can't keep score. Like, Uh, cause I think that was my other thing was I was keeping score and I would be like, well, I've called Lauren the last two times and invited her to lunch. And she's only called me once, you know, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's either I'm keeping score or again, overthinking it. And I'm like, yep. well, she must not want to do anything with me because she never calls me. And so like you're putting never- this whole dialogue in your head that doesn't really exist. Yes. Right. And that's where it kind of, it goes back to what was the chapter called where like, no one gives a shit about you. Like, yes, you know. Like, they're not thinking about you. They're not thinking about right. you. They're so busy. They're, they're wrapped up in their own inner dialogue. Right. <laughs> like they're not thinking about that. It's not what's going on at all. And it's so true. It is. And, and so I had to kind of get through that and that has helped a lot. Yeah. You wrote, it's no one gives a shit about you. Yeah. Which is true. You know, and I think that we have to, you know, I think that that's part of midlife that was figuring that out. I think that hundred percent. I wish I could have figured out at 22. See, and that's the thing too. Like there are good things about this, like middle-aged thing. Yes. You know, there are good things. It's not all terrible, but it just, it's, they're really hard lessons to learn. And I feel it. And then to unlearn them. Like, it's like you have these, these patterns and you have these, I don't know, these like learned behaviors that then you have to unlearn and be like, no, listen, Jen, it's not about you. Like, Stop thinking it's always about you. It's not about you. you it's about you wrote, her and what she's. No, doing. I, I know. I know. They don't, they don't care. And you wrote in your book, you said, those people don't give a fuck what you do. They could give less of a shit what you're wearing, how you look, how you parent, what your job is, none of it. And you shouldn't give a fuck about them. So stop giving them space in your head. Agreed a hundred percent. And then you said, um, uh, middle age, I love this middle age fucking sucks. And the last thing we need is to be critical of how, each of us is managing this particular shit show. Instead, we need to be supporting one another. And I think that that's really kind of what I realized that, that my friends that have made it to this point in my life is that we do support each other through, yeah. through this, what you call shit show. Yeah, because it is. But there, but there are positives about it, like coming to this realization. That's fabulous. Right. Why didn't I know this when I was in my 20s? Well, and I think middle age tends to weed out sort of a lot of people because- 
for me personally, like my friends, I'm looking around and I feel like we're all like living in like more drama than we've ever had. Like you think like 20 years old, 22 year old girls are having a lot of drama. No, hang out with a bunch of 45 to 55 year old women and hear what's going on in their world, you know? And it's like, they're going through divorces. They're going through, you know, problems at home with their kids. They're going through, you know, work things. You know, I, I have a friend who was recently let go and she's pretty sure it's because she's too old. You know, it's like, all these different things are happening. And if you, and I, I literally, I know a friend, I have a friend who like her husband had a heart attack. Okay. I mean, he's in the hospital, almost dead. She calls another friend to sort of, and, and they're in another city. They're not even in our city right now. They're in, they're, they were traveling. So she's far away from everybody. She has no support. And so she calls this friend to sort of, you know, talk as you will. And the friend was like, um, you're really like bringing my energy down. So, I mean, oh my God. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I was like, she's dead to us. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> Clip. <laughs> but I was like, well, that's good. She let you know exactly who she is because exactly. it is a lot. It, it, there is a lot going on. And I think that if you, and, and I think that's the other thing why you need just a few because you can only handle just a few and yes. what is happening in their lives. Absolutely. And so I guess good for the other person to put up her boundaries, but I think there's a better way to do it. Maybe. Yeah, no kidding. Not the time. Not the <laughs> yeah. time. Right. So we, I wanted to ask, this is something that you brought up and I, I wanted to discuss this for a second. So I have, I have a Facebook group as well called Growing Younger. It's not as, as active as your, I mean, it's, but What's I, it called? it's called Growing Younger. Growing Younger. So okay. Kind of on the same thing, sort of, you know, we go into oh. like more like health and fitness because, um, John, I hate to break this to you and I yeah. don't want to rain on your parade, but if you're having this at 47, 48, mm-hmm. wait till you start your fifties. It's a whole new, yeah. Cause listen, I, I got, I was at 47 and I have to say, I probably looked the best. I was rocking 47. Okay. I'm slightly older than you. How old yeah. are you? I'm not saying that. On here. I'm but looking I, at her face. You guys, I'm looking at her face. And if she's 48, I'm shocked. Like, no, I'm, who's I'm your doctor? My, I'm What's my, happening here? I'm in my, I'm in my, I, I, I passed the 50s threshold. I was like 50, I got 50. Cause now 40s, I sailed 47. I will tell you, I, I looked good. I it was like the best I had looked probably in my adult life. Okay. Wow. I had two kids. I got in the weight off. I was rocking short shorts. I, you know, whatever. Then the shit started hit the fan. It was about 47. My dad mm-hmm. died. I needed my first spinal surgery. All this stuff happened. So I'm like, okay, 50s. I got through the 40s. How, you know, midlife, I got this thing. And all of a sudden you get over to 50 and it's like, hold my beer. It oh, just no. happens. Oh, yeah. And the thing I just start- turned 50 last week. Don't tell me this. <laughs> oh, no, 50 itself isn't bad. It's once you start to get into the 50s. Uh, it is, you know, God's, you're not being set up as soon as you turn 50, there's gotta mm-hmm. be this false sense. That everything's going to be okay. Right. And then it just starts to happen. So I'm, I'm kidding, but, but what I, and I'm really sorry for anybody out there that's listening to this. It's not horrible. Again, it's just, it's shit you deal with, but you know, like yeah. for people that like my mother, for instance, where uh-huh. her looks really, and the way she, and you brought this up in your book about, uh-huh. she was very much about the way, about youth um, looking very put together. And so she spent time on this. And then eventually there's a point where it's putting lipstick on a pig. You're, you're falling apart, you know, and that must be really hard 
for people that really rely on their looks. I think so. I think, yeah, like, uh, you know, I have, um, I've never been the, uh, I don't know, the conventional beauty, like that has never been my thing. And so I, but I do, you know, I've always, I've always had really beautiful friends and, um, and I think even I saw it even once we started hitting our thirties that it was like, I got to get things done. I've got to get things fixed. I got to, and I was like, girl, you're gorgeous. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I would love to look like that, you know, but I think it is hard when sometimes when everything is wrapped up in and how you look and how you look. Mm-hmm. And then I think like, do you have any, do you have daughters? Do you have a daughter? No, no, thank God. I mean, no offense, but no, I, no, because I know like my relationship with my mom and I, I, she brought her stuff and put it on to me. Yep. And and I've, I've discussed this before and I, I say, thank God, because I don't have girls. I just have boys to, to mess up. Mm-hmm. Not, not girls, you <laughs> Which know? you can mess them up easily too. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, no, but I do. Like I was very conscious of that. Like, you know, my daughter, like I'm, I'm overweight. Right. And my daughter is very tall. My daughter is not overweight, but she's very tall. And when, she, and I'm short. And when I, I mean, I think she passed me by, by the time she was like 10 or something, and she was taller than me, 10 or 11. Yeah, feeling that. And when right we now. would meet right. people, people would say, you're so big. Oh, you're so big. You're so big. And I was like, yeah, she's a big girl, you know, and I just never even thought about it. And then after a while, she came to me and she was like, when people say I'm big, do they mean I'm fat? And I was like, oh, damn. Oh, no. boy. Yeah. And so now I find myself like yeah. correcting. I'm like, she's very tall. Like, tall, and then I was like, does right. it bother you that people even talk about how tall you are? Like, is that a problem for you? And she was like, no, I like being tall. And I'm like, okay, then we can, but it's like, I'm super self-conscious of like how people talk to her because I'm like, yes. I don't want to, like you said, we're going to fuck them up no matter what we do, but I'd like to at least try to like stop my cycle. Yeah. Your cycle <laughs> is exactly. a new one, <laughs> you know, because I just, I'm super, like, I'm just really conscious of how that affected me my whole life where people are like, oh, you have such a pretty face. If only you'd, you know, fuck off. Yeah, and exactly. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, well, no, because I, you know, it's, I was, my mom was very into like looks, like the superficial kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, she's, she also had substance, but I mean, she was very much about, you know, how you present yourself and was very concerned because I was like kind of a, I needed to lose 10 pounds and I was 10 kind of thing. And then, uh-huh. so she, and my, I always joke that my, my friends, that some of them I've known since I was very little and knew my mom and when I was young, young, and they're like, we're so surprised you didn't have an eating disorder because my mom would take me to Weight Watchers when I was 10 years old and, mm-hmm. you know, very, would pack a lunch with like two hard boiled eggs. And I knew how many calories were in my lunch and, you know, very, and it's taken a long time to break that. And now I have a son, son, who is very health conscious and he's 10, he's 10 years old. And he's like, mom, you know, could you stop buying snacks? Because, you know, I'm trying to like, what? I'm like, I don't buy that many snacks. I have, I mean, don't eat them if you don't want to, but I, I'm not going to start a limit. I don't want you thinking this way. It's not right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want you think because I know it's not right because that's how I was. And I don't want to put that on my kid. So I could already see his mind's working like that. And then I don't want that for him. Yeah. You know, um, I want him to be healthy, of course. I, and I, I praise him for wanting to be healthy, but I'm like, also like you're a kid. If you want to eat some potato chips, eat some potato chips. Right. You know, right. I, please stop it. You know, we'll, we'll discuss yeah. it if there, if we get down the road and you know, you're consuming bags and bags, which you won't because I won't have them in the house. So right. it's not a problem. 
So here's my other question, and we'll, we'll wrap it up after this, because I mean, you and I obviously could talk for hours. Um, so I asked in my own Facebook group, what is your purpose? And you asked this question, and there were crick, nobody answered it. Mm-mm. So I'm like, do you not know what that means? Do you not know what that is? Do you not have a purpose? Like, explain when you ask that question, like what you were expecting and, and what that means. So it was something I kind of stumbled on when I was researching for the book and talking to people. Um, I really used my own kind of community as a sounding board for a lot of things. And purpose was something that I just kept hearing come up a lot, you know, that they were like, what's your purpose? I'm like, well, I have a purpose. You know, I'm, I write and I entertain people and I, you know, and my friend was like, yeah, that's a job. And I was like, well, can't a job be a purpose? And she was like, yeah, for you. But like, she's like, but what if you were like, you know, she's like, what if your job did not give you that sense of purpose? Like whatever it is your job is, like, what if you didn't get that sense of purpose from it? Then what would your purpose be? And I actually, since I've written the book, I've heard, I actually just heard Reese Witherspoon talking about this. And I really agree with what she said. She was talking about how purpose changes throughout your life. That, okay. that so many people think they have to have like one purpose and stick with that purpose. And she was like, it's constantly evolving and changing based on where you are in life. And I was like, I think that is true. And I think like, obviously I'm a mom and I'm a wife and, you know, my children give me a lot of purpose and, you know, and soon they'll be gone. And then it's like, and then what? And it's almost like all the women who sort of like rely on beauty as their only thing. It's like, if you only have your kids as your purpose, right? you're going to be really sad in a few years when everybody's off to college and that you're no longer needed. And So when I asked it in my group, I was just sort of curious to hear what people, because to me, it was a question that I had never considered. Like, even though I had an answer for it, I had never thought about what it would look like if I didn't have a purpose, you know? And then, and then when I heard Reese Reese Witherspoon talking about the changes, I was like, yeah, mine has changed a lot over time. It's been different at different points in my life. And so when I asked this question in my group, I just wanted to sort of see what everybody else was thinking. I thought it would also like maybe prompt some women to think about it, you know, for the first time, kind of like I did. And then if they didn't have it, I found that if you didn't have the purpose, any sort of purpose, then that's really um, the, a big contributor to the general malaise, to this yes. real life malaise, you know? I mean, and I was so, surprised it was cricket. I mean, cricket. Yeah. I'm surprised too, because mine was really responsive and, but my group is just, they're on fire. They're just, they will talk about like that. We're talking about like, you know, what you should eat to feel, you know, it's where I don't, and I'm, I try to go deep and with like, and I'm like, we kind of go shallow and we go deep. I mean, I think, you know, we, we talk about frozen dildos and we talk about purpose. So, you know, it's like we, nothing's off limits, but but I think, um, but it was interesting to sort of see what they thought was their purpose and what they considered. Cause I think that's the other thing. I think a lot of times we think a purpose needs to be something like, you know, monumental. Right. Right. And so for them to be like, you know, my purpose is to be a happy person and to spread happiness, you know, everywhere I go every day. Like my purpose is to like, you know, take care of, take care of my neighbors and, you know, whatever it is. Like, and I was like, oh yeah, that's okay. That works too. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to go save children in Ukraine, you know? And so, so I think that, um, so for me, I just thought it would start a really good conversation and I thought it would get people kind of thinking. That's why I asked. Yeah. 
And it, yeah, it, it, for me, it didn't, it, it felt like a bag of bricks. I'm, telling I'm you. sorry. No, we have to probably word it differently then or something. Yeah. But- I, I was, I was, I'm like, okay, so there we have it, you know? And you know, it's <laughs> funny you bring up the thing about happiness. I just, this is a, my mom, I remember being younger and my mom, I was like, not happy about something, you know, just mm-hmm. not, not going through like a bad little period there or something. And, you know, as, as probably teens do, or might've been a young adult. She's like, Lauren, what, what is it you want? I said, I just want to be happy. And she got so mad at that answer. She's like, that's so trite. What does that mean? You know? And I'm like, I'll never forget that because I'm like, wait, that's the wrong answer. You know, (laughs) like what's wrong with that answer? I don't understand. She just like, let me have it that it's so trite. And like, well, think about how many times we were told like life isn't easy. Like, you know, you're you're not supposed to enjoy your job. Like, you know, I I remember like, like, um, the first, the first job, my brother, I have a younger brother than me. And the first job he got out of college, like he did not like his job and he and I were talking about it. And I thought, well, and my parents were gone. And so, you know, I'm just like a young adult too, like trying to talk to him. And I'm like, well, you know, and I'm thinking like, what would our dad say? And I was like, you're not supposed to enjoy your job. Like no one enjoys their job. Like nobody like is like, oh, I can't wait to go to work today. Um, I love my job. Yeah. All kinds of and yeah. my brother yeah. and my brother has since found a job that he loves. Like, yeah, you can totally do that. But like, but we were told that. We were told like, you know, life is hard. Just suck it up. Just get yep. through it. You just, yeah. you know, life isn't easy. And and I don't think that that, but on the flip side, I also don't want to raise my kids in like toxic positivity and like right. you know, rainbows and sunshine. We're just like, you can do anything princess, you know? And it's like, no, no. But I think, I think that what resonate, like what I take, cause I think about that conversation a lot these days because I'm like, no, really, I do want to be happy and I can choose to be happy. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that's too much to ask. No, I don't. And I was like, mom, I think you're wrong there. But yeah. I mean, I wish I could have that conversation, but I did sort of have that conversation because my mom chose to be a lot of times just angry and pissed off and that fueled her, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I'm just like, that's not working for me. You know, I, I think I want to, I think I want to approach this from a different angle, you know? And and I'm a big fan of angry and pissed off too. I do think there's a, I think there's a time and a place for it. And I think, you know, I've built a whole cottage industry. I'm being pissed off. And so (laughs) I get that. But I also think though that, yeah, like it has to be a productive rage and it has to be like a productive angry. Otherwise you're just, you know, yelling at the sky for no reason. And Which I think we're seeing done. a lot of right now. Like I am noticing it. There is a lot of rage and just people walking around so pissed off. I mean, yeah. there's a lot going on in the world right now and I kind of get it, but it's also like, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. We have a lot of people that would benefit greatly from going to therapy and from like actually looking at themselves. Again, I think it goes back to, they believe there are external things that are causing this when it is really them causing that. I mean, of course, yes, the world is on fire, but you know, you have a despot that is setting the world on fire right now, you know? So of course it is. And of course it's a little out of control. It's, I think people are feeling out of control and I, I see this working itself out mentally for, you know, in in bad ways for people. And and it really saddens me because, you know, I've had, I think our, I think the greater pandemic we're facing now is mental. And I think it's coming up a hundred percent and you're seeing it play out. I mean, we saw, yeah. it, we saw it on the Academy Awards. I mean, we are seeing rage and 
anger and it's really sad. And it's, you know, but anyway, that's, that's, a, we, we need to wrap this up. I am so sorry, everyone. I could go, I obviously I could sit and talk to Jen for hours and you're all sitting here listening to our conversation that we should probably be having offline. So this is when they email me say, no, we could listen for another hour. It's fine. I, I know. Well, maybe if they respond, because as I said, talking about their purpose went like a bag of bricks. So, um, <laughs> Please email Lauren and tell her what your purpose is. Yeah, please let her know. Leave it on the Facebook group because now I'm going to ask another question. I was just like, now I'm going to go join that Facebook group and I'm just going to like, I don't know, I'm just light it up. I'm Would go you like, please Listen. light it on fire? Will you please, light <laughs> bitches? Get your purpose. Yeah, what's your purpose? Because you know what? I like you say, I choose happiness, motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 I wish I could say that to my mom. May she rest in peace. But she's, she can hear me now, I'm sure. She and can I'm totally sure, hear you now. And I'm sure she's happy that I'm choosing happiness because you know what? It, it's, a, it's a shit show. Well, I mean, and I yeah, think no matter how much be. we, no matter how much we fuck up our kids, we still, we want them to be happy. We, you know, it's like, and so I'm sure she is glad that you're doing what you want to do and that you have a strong purpose. And that Oh, you know she does. And I knew that we were, we were fine. Like she knew all this, but we, we had some good conversations before good. she passed and we're, we're in a good place. So we're, you know, that's good. But I was like, you know, I think you were kind of wrong about this and about that. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to let her go without letting her know, like you were wrong on this. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she was okay with that. She admitted like, okay. That's a good gonna, title, chapter title. I like that. I wasn't going to let her go without letting her know. Letting her know. <laughs> <laughs> all the things you were wrong about. Well, not all of them, but there were, there were a couple sticking points that I was just yeah. like, well, you know, mom. Uh, and you know what? She admitted some of them. And then That's there was awesome. some, some stuff I was like, you were right about this. I mean, I gave her credit for a lot of it. It was just, her, yeah. Her I mean, not to say that, yeah, that our moms are always wrong. There's lots that we learned that was good. It just, but, but. Isn't that how it always is though? The bad always stands out more than the good. Like it does, it does in a way, but then also once somebody is gone, you do find like as atrocious as like, I'm not saying that my mom is, but and atrocious as somebody may be in yeah. life that you remember the good too, Good, you, you know, which is good, yeah. you know, yeah. so it, it works both ways. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up? Because again, but you got to read this book, everyone. It is, it's a kick. I mean, and, and, it, and I got something out of it, but it was also good just to laugh a little bit, you know, cause this is like, as I said, it can be a total shit show. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Cause that's my purpose is to make you laugh. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, no, I don't really have anything else except just, you know, read the book, tell your 80,000 friends about it. And you know, let's, yeah. let's spread the word. Hey, cause I feel like it's like a best kept secret. Like, I feel like so many women are like, I'm selling so many copies like 10 at a time. They're like, I'm going to give this to all my friends. Yeah, it's, it's, it's because a good, they're like, they need to know about this. It's a good gift for, for a friend, you know, yeah. especially somebody that's kind of like needs a good laugh because, you know, life is handing them a bunch of lemons right now. This might be, yeah. you know, Hey, you know, that you've got, you've got sisters out there, yes. you know, people going through this. It's, it's great. It's definitely a good book to buy and like give to friends for certain. So um, you can find midlife fights anyone else falling apart or is it just me by Jen Mann, who is a New York times bestselling author. Uh, I got mine from Amazon and I'm sure all other bookstores and all where your local people- bookstores, your library should have it. And they can follow you on Instagram at I'm Jen Mann author, John, Jen Mann author. And your Facebook group is midlife, midlife fight. Right. I joined it, it by the book. way. I did. 
Um, Okay, everyone, we are going to wrap it up. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast bi-weekly, so please contact Lauren at fountainof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Take care, everyone. And remember, I choose happiness, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, everyone. Until next time. Bye.